Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. We're going to have a look at the God of the Kingdom. We've uh, talked about the Kingdom over a period of time, and I want to, for a moment this, this morning, to explore the nature of the God of the Kingdom. Now, clearly, this is a program that we could run on for the next two or three years to talk about the God of the Kingdom, but I wanted to try and lay some patterns in place so that we can understand how at least we understand the God of our kingdom in relation to the other kingdom in which we live. Uh, I, I, I want for us to think just for a moment about who this kingdom belongs to. Uh, we are predisposed as human beings to live in our own world and to be consumed with how we live in our world and we therefore need to set things up in the way that suits our own purposes and our own, so, our own needs and we say to ourselves really without saying the words, this is my world and I need to do the best I can in this world to survive. I need to be able to put things in place to help me live and to, I've got a bank account, I've got a house that I'm living in and my, my determination is to be involved as closely as I can with what, uh, what's needed for me and my family. I've got to provide for my family. The problem is that the one who created the universe says to us, think about the kingdom of God Seek first the kingdom of God and when you have understood the kingdom of God you will understand that running parallel with your choice to try and live in your life in the, in the kingdom is the God who provides in the kingdom physically in which you live. So I, I, I wanted us to think for a moment today about, about the God of the kingdom. Who do we see? I'm doing it again I think, there we go. Introduction. Kingdom is God's kingdom, not ours. It is not our kingdom. The characteristics of the kingdom are those that God brings to us. And whilst we think the immediate immediacy of our experiences in this world are overwhelming and we're not able, therefore, to pay attention to the kingdom of this world, he says to us, this kingdom into which I'm inviting you has me as the boss. And you need to understand who I am if you're going to be able to grab hold of the things that are a part of my life for you. Every aspect of this kingdom is decided by who I am, not by who you are. Every aspect of this kingdom is not decided by your needs, but every aspect of my kingdom is there on the basis of my planning, my purpose, my desire, my power, my authority and in the universe I will draw your world to a close and my world will continue on into eternity but in the midst of the change that's going to happen you're going to have this conflict going on between the two kingdoms and you're going to be trained to believe that this kingdom is stronger when I need you to understand that this kingdom is stronger and you need to choose to live in this kingdom while living in this one. Every part of the kingdom is based on who God is. God is a loving God. A lot of people would say, no, God doesn't love because he allows naughty things to happen to people. Uh, it's not quite as simple as that. People would say that in this world of ours, the characteristics of the way in which we're dealt with by God is, is harsh and hard. Another criteria of the God of whom we're speaking at the moment is grace and mercy and love and delight in people's lives and joy and intimacy of relationship forms 
in who he is. We need to understand who he is. Forget about what this world is telling you about who God is and listen for a moment to what the Bible has to say about who God is. He is to be called Father. And whilst he's not a copy of our heavenly father, he's not a copy of our earthly father, he is a father in perfection as the father in heaven. He brings to us all of the characteristics of one who protects us, who cares for us, who looks after us. He's not either male or female. The Holy Spirit is neither male nor female. Jesus, in a sense, is neither male nor female. They are far beyond our understanding. We are humanity. They are God. So what does it mean to understand who God is? Jesus' teaching in the Gospels is that no man has seen the Father except the Son. So the one we go to to find out what the Father is like is the Son. And we begin to discover that immediately we see Jesus in action. His action is perfectly aligned with the character of his Father. They are in fact all intertwined with one another. Whilst we might feel that we're involved with one, the truth is that where one is, all are. Where we believe we have a relationship with the Spirit of God, there the Father is with us as well. The kingdom is the rule of God. What does the rule mean? Tyrannical rule? No, the rule means his influence, his desire to move into our lives and to bring us alive and alight into the things of the kingdom. Beautiful things, wonderful things. Every, God, every aspect of the kingdom must derive itself from the character of God. A major idea. Every aspect of the kingdom must derive itself from the character of God, not related in any sense to the character of this world. So let's think for a moment. Who is this God? The presence of the kingdom is understood from God's present activity and understood from what God's future activity will be as time goes on. We already read there are four signs, really four major signs that we will see in the end days as Jesus comes. We're seeing at least two of those expressing themselves now. The future of the kingdom is the revealing expression of God's glory and saving power. He will show to us moment by moment who he is. But the only people in our world who know the secrets of the kingdom are the people of God. This is a strange thing for us to cope with. We think that the kind of stuff we hear and read in the Bible and so on, everybody understands. It's not true. For a good number of people out there, they have not the slightest idea what the gobbledygook means. We have a clarity in our heads about these things because we are a part of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, God has revealed to us the things that he has intended for the future. We know what's going to happen. Jesus is coming. We're going to see him coming in the skies. There are certain things that will happen. The stars will find start to fall out of place. People will begin to attack us because they hate God, want to get us for it. These are the things that will happen. We know about that. What are the characteristics if God is king? First of all, let's say, who is he? Who is this God? He is, well, you know that I could preach on this for the next two years. But let's just run over one or two things to give an indication. He is the master of the universe. Everything that exists, exists because of him and he created it ex nihilo. He spoke and it came into existence. 
He speaks and authority reigns. He says, slow the winds and the winds slow. He says, rise up from the dead and the dead are raised. We see it in Jesus. We see it in Jesus. That's the normal God life. When God behaves as God, those are normal things. That's who he is. He creates the creator out of nothing, actively involved in the world according to his own purposes. We hear people say, well, if he's really God, why doesn't he do so and so? Why is the God of the Old Testament so hard and rough? Well, at least one of the answers there is protecting the Davidic line. And he's protecting the one who is going to be following on from the Davidic line moment by moment. Everything standing in the way of the Davidic line is removed. He is the giver and controller of all life. He is the one who controls your breath now. He is the one who gives the world permission to have you exist. He is the one who gives the world sufficient oxygen in the air on the basis of his own creation that you can breathe, that I can breathe. He sees love and grace as the criteria of his action. Compare that to our world. Love and grace is the criteria of our world? <laughs> not on your nanny. Love and grace is not the way our world operates. How can I use you? How can I take advantage of you? How can I go rich at your expense? That's our world. And as that world rolls over against us, how do we, how do we fight it? How do we live within it? By recognising that our God is the one who has total authority, absolute authority. And one day, every knee will bow before him, every world will cease to exist and the master will be on his throne. He loves all human beings with a passion and expressed in the giving of his son, we see the salvation for all who will believe. That's our God. He is prepared to take them. I, I, I was talking to, I can tell you a bit of a story. I was talking to one of the women who had come to the Heathmont Church because her, her fiancé had come, uh, he was an accountant, he'd come back from, he was a forensic accountant. He was doing research from, in, into companies from London and going around the world and identifying where the businesses were being used up by naughty people. He, he, uh, he came back to our church because uh, he'd been told that he had three months to live. He had cancer and that happened. But with him came back um, a lady who had become his best friend, his fiancée, who was a Muslim. And uh, I worked through the three or four months of his life with them, married them both, um, uh, and uh, I wrestled with that but uh, at the end of it she said look I've been so impressed with what happens in this Christian scene I need you to tell me about God about your God so I went through a whole pile of stuff we talked about a whole variety of things and uh, we talked about forgiveness and I said God is a person is, a, is, a, is, is one who operates on the basis of his character, not on the basis of ours. And when anybody comes to him to seek forgiveness in truth, he will forgive them. Big problems. You see, this lady's father was teaching economics at Oxford University, but he'd been kicked out of Syria or wherever it was by the leader who said, if I see your face again, I'll have you killed. And he had done that to many, many people 
And this lady said to me, do you tell me that if this man comes to God and says, I, I confess my sin, I repent of my sin, that he'll forgive him? And I said, yes, of course. Because he operates on the basis of his own character, not on the character. She said, I can't believe that. I won't believe that. You have the opportunity to hear. Who is this God? He's not to be messed with. He's not to be played with. He is, first of all, a seeking God. He will seek people out and he will work away hard at getting people into a relationship with himself. Right from the beginning of time, right from the beginning of Judaism, Yahweh was always considered as the one who was active in redemptive history and could be come to for healing and forgiveness and good crops and everything. He was regarded as being the judge and saviour of, of his people. This is who he is, the judge. This is who he is. He's active in his world. He speaks into people's lives. He comes and we hear stories about Elijah where we see God in action training him. And we say to ourselves, does he do that with me? Well, yes, he does. Does he take you through learning experiences? Yes, he does. You might not know it, but he does. His temple, or his home, is in Jerusalem. Who is this God? He is a God beyond description. For several hundred years before Jesus, uh, God stood aloof from history. The intertestamental period, it's called. For several hundred years, the Jews heard nothing from God. For a number of generations, there was not a sound from God. And there was one last redeeming act from God, the coming of the Lord Messiah. Now, this is whom we're dealing with. This is the God of the kingdom, the one in whom we are finding faith and resolution and forgiveness and healing and grace and mercy. This is our God. So when I'm talking to you about coming into this kingdom and instead of living your life in this kingdom, live it in the kingdom of God and it will work through into the other life. That's what I'm talking about. This is the God of the kingdom. This is the one who, if he wished to do that, he could call all of the universe into non-existence. Jesus' teaching added a new dimension to an understanding of God. God is not only God not only is God active in history, not only is God behind many of the things that we see and do, he has entered into history himself. God has come. He is in history. He is a part of history. In fact, the history of the universe finds its fulcrum at the coming of Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ on the cross, the rest of the world is over and done with, with this part of the world. Rules and regulations and laws cease to exist. Over on this side, there is the kingdom and a relationship with the master of the kingdom. Jesus comes and is the fulcrum of history. In Jesus, God has taken the initiative to reach out to sinners. He has come in human form. He's taken on himself the very characteristics of our frame. And did you know, he has decided that sitting at the right hand of God now is Jesus Christ the God-man. You know what his form is? He's a human being. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Amazing stuff. 
absolutely amazing stuff. Jesus, he is not the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Because you know, when he came to the Jews, the, the, as we read in that story, he, he was the one who, who, well, he ate with sinners. He got down and got his knees and nose dirty. Uh, I often wonder to myself, what would Jesus be doing right now? Where would he be right now if, we were, if he was in this world? I don't know what the answer would be. That's Mark 2, by the way. He is the searching God. He's also the inviting God. He is the one who says to us, I, like a farmer, will go out and sow and I will invite the land to produce all the fruit it can. I will be the fruitful God. But then there will be weeds grow up, and I've got to figure out how that to do. And, and there will be weeds growing up in my crop. How do I deal with that? Leave it to grow to the end, and I'll sort it out as it happens. Jesus pictured God's salvation as a banquet or a feast. Why do we take the kingdom of God so seriously? Why do we not believe that God might be hilariously funny? That life itself can be fun and enjoyable and beautiful and rich? Why not? Because we need to have somebody who's scary <laughs> up the top or something. But we don't. Here's a God who loves us. Here's a God who goes out of his way to tend our needs and pick up our purposes. This is the God of the kingdom. This is where we come to. He is all-powerful. Where do you go when things are not going well? You go to a doctor. Make sure the doctor gives you all the medicine that the doctor can find. Or do you go to the master and say, Lord, you know where I'm at at the moment. I need your healing. Should I go to the doctor? He is sowing and reaping. There is free choice to enter. This is an invitation not into knowing about, and this is the difficulty of our churches, I think, at the moment. We know all about God. We've been taught all sorts of stuff about God. But the God of the kingdom doesn't want us to know about him. He wants us to know him. He wants intimacy. He wants relationship. He knows every hair on your head, every idea in your mind. And he says, come, come dance with me. Let me express my life of love and joy. I know how hard it's going to get for you. I know all about that. My human beings go through that year after. Come dance with me. Let's do beautiful things together. Let's come into this kingdom with the God of the kingdom who has come. Jesus frequently had meals with his disciples, friends and sinners, and communion for us is that place where we put our roots down, where he says to us, dance with me, come deeper, come richer, come fuller, come to me, live with me. The local religious, of course, found that offensive because there were certain rules that had to be obeyed. There are certain things you had to do, you had to believe and you had to, you know, if you, you had to give 10% of everything and you had to cut it up even your, even your I don't know. They said, this, this guy is totally the reverse of what our religion is teaching and he claims to be the Messiah. 
You see, the repentance of our lives is at the heart of Jesus' invitation. Come to me and change your direction. Change the direction you are going from going in the direction of this world, trying to cope with this world, trying to get rich in this world, trying to manipulate this world, trying to bring up kids in this world. Stop going in that direction. Go this direction and come to me and sit at my feet. And when I say dance, dance. Or dance if you're Victorian. God seeks sinners and he offers the gift of the kingdom. Everything that the kingdom is, is our inheritance. Everything that the kingdom is on about is where we live. Everything that the kingdom offers to the world is our, is our right. And he says to us, forget about the world out there. Come and live in my kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. He is, of course, the judging God as well, unfortunately, for some. What happens with those who reject his offer? He's the seeking God. He's the caring God. He's the loving God. But if you thumb, you know, if you thumb your nose at him, he will say to you, that's your choice. And at the end of time, you will go where that thumb on your nose takes you. God is seeking love, but he is also holy love. Those who choose to reject his offer must sit under his judgment. Let's not think this God of ours can be manipulated. Let's not think this God of ours can be controlled or dominated. Because this is the Lord of the universe. He comes to us in mercy and grace but, and holiness. But we dare not treat him with derision. As humanity reacts to Jesus and his mission, so their eternal destiny is determined. The truth is we, we identify our own destiny by our choices. We effectively judge ourselves. Let's think about this a little bit. This is quoting from Matthew 10. I'm going to have another quote in a minute. But Matthew says this, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. We can't talk about the God of the heaven, the God of the kingdom, without understanding he is all-powerful, he is all-wonderful, he is all-controlling, he is all-dominating. And if we thumb our nose at the one who is all-holy, we pay the price. God has once again become active in history after the inter intertestamental period. He has visited his people in the missions of Jesus to bring the blessings of his kingdom. But when the offer is spurned, a visitation of judgment will follow. George Orton's lamb. Our study of the kingdom reveals a time for spontaneous joy. Spontaneous delight, a reaction to the wonderful things that God is doing, not just the stuff he's done, but to know that I can wake up tomorrow morning and say to him as my eyes open, morning Lord, love you, and I'll hear him firing right back to me, and I love you too. I will take you by the hand and I will walk with you through the day, 
and I will develop an intimacy with you, a conversation through life, through the day, which you will, which you will be utterly amazed at. Never alone. Always full of love. But with a solemn side. Our march on into the kingdom sees us deepening our intimacy with God, letting the roots go deeper and deeper, in fact yearning for the roots to go deeper and deeper, on the understanding that when the rough winds blow, when the roots are down deep enough, the tree will stand. When our lives have our roots deep enough into the things of the kingdom, when we come to this table and we say to our Lord and Saviour, our Master and our friend, I have anchored my life in you. Well done, my beloved daughter. Well done, my beloved son. I'll take you places you never, ever dreamed of. Or enjoying other aspects of his character, he has revealed to us, we see all sorts of things happening through us that we never dreamt were possible. Becoming a part of the mission with Jesus, understanding that as a community, we are those who, who hear him say to us, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. As the Father has sent me, every one of us is different. A lot of us are not evangelists. Well, how do we do that? Well, we hear him say to us, come dance with me. I'm an evangelist, he says, I have been all my life. <laughs> Come dance with me. Heart for the poor. Heart for the mistreated. Heart for the ugly. Passion for the lost. Because that's who he is. And he says to us over and over again, Come deeper into my life. Come deeper into my soul. And as you grow deeper, you will discover your character becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And as the winds of this world blow to topple you over, you will discover that your roots are deep enough, well deep enough, to cope for eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, how, Lord God, how can we do anything but bow before you? Even to speak your name is to, is, is to go too far. Even to think about you without bowing in homage and adoration. And how we long to be included in your kingdom so that our future might see its character formed by you, the master and the friend, the one who laughs and is, is full of joy, but the one who can come to us and say, this is real, stop messing around. Lord, we bless you for the experience of that. We pray that you would take us on into these things as our world is changing so fast, so rapidly and so painfully. Lord, would you take us with, it, with you? Help us to react to you positively and properly and allow you the charge of our lives that sees the fruit of your kingdom growing in us. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?